Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello, and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I am Rabbi Daniel Chorney. Today, we'll be learning Daf Mem Dalid 44 of Tractat Nedarim, dealing with vows. Our sugya really begins at the bottom of page Mem Gimel Amud Bet, 43, side B. Having discussed this agreement between Rabbi Yossi and the unnamed sages, whom we will call the Rabbanan, about how Hefker comes to be in effect from the Mishnah on Mem Gimel Amud Aleph, the Gemara seeks to better understand the dynamics of Hefker. At the bottom of Mem Gimel Amud Bet, we are presented with a Breita consisting of two clauses. The first clause, the Resha, states that when a person declares his field to be Hefker, he has to, up to three days to retract that declaration. After the third day, he may no longer retract it. According to Rashi, the person may even retract the declaration of Hefker after someone else had come along to acquire the field, so long as this retraction happens before the third day. This doesn't mean, however, that the person who acquired the, fi- acquired the field in the interim has to relinquish it. Rather, this has implications for the requirement to take tithes on that field, which will be discussed in the sugya in greater detail later on. For our purposes, we can assume that the person keeps the field as a gift from the original owner. Had the hefker not been retracted, the person who acquired the field, the zocheh, would be exempt from tithing the produce on that field. Now that the hefker was cancelled, the zocheh has to tithe that produce. Returning to the Vraita, the second clause, the Seifa, states that if a person declared her field to be Hefker for a particular period of time, a day, a week, a month, a year, even seven years, that person may retract at any time so long as the field was not yet acquired, either by herself or by another. After it has come into the possession of a Zohe, that Hefker is permanent and binding. As we said before, this will have implications for whether or not the field requires tithing. Once it has been acquired by a zoche, the field is completely exempt from tithing, which would not be the case if the hefker were retracted or if it ended because of a designated period coming to an end. Based upon this breita, the Gemara asks, should we say that the reisha, which appears to regard hefker as something that happens once the declaration is made, irrespective of whether or not the field is acquired, reflects the view of the Rabbanan from our Mishnah, and that the Seifa, which appears to allow for retraction of Hefker because it is not actually in effect until the property enters the hands of the Soche, reflects the view of Rabbi Yossi? Note that the Gemara is assuming that Rabbi Yossi's view corresponds to the interpretation of Rabbi Yochanan on page Mem Gimel Amud Aleph, namely that Rabbi Yossi holds that for, for there to be Hefker, property must leave the possession of the original owner and enter the possession of a zocheh. Following this reasoning, any time prior to reception up by the zocheh, 
the Hefker Mideoraita has not yet gone into effect, thus allowing the person making the field Hefker, we'll call him the Mafkir, able to retract. So it seems, says the anonymous voice of the Gemara, that the Reisha and Seifa represent the views of two camps, Rabbanan and Rabbi Yossi. The Gemara will then supply and test two Amoraic responses to that question. The first is brought in the name of Ula, the second generation Eretz Israeli Amora, who says that actually even the Seifa reflects the views of the Rabbanan. Immediately, the Gemara challenges this by asking, if it is so that the Seifa is the Rabbanan, then why does it allow the person to retract the creation of Hefker before the field was claimed by a Zocheh? One would think that if the Seifa followed the Rabbanan, who believed that Hefker is in effect immediately upon declaration of Hefker, they would not allow a person to retract at any time. The Gemara then sidesteps this challenge by affirming that the case in the Seifa, where a specific time period for the Hefker is given, is not only different from the classical Rabbanan case, but also extremely rare. Where there is an expiration date on the Hefker, the Rabbanan acknowledged that the person does not fully intend to relinquish her claim to the field. Therefore, the Hefker is not complete from the onset, and the person is allowed to retract so long as a Zocheh doesn't lay claim to the field, affecting a completion of the Hefker status. In other words, Ula regards the Rabbanan as behaving like Rabbi Yossi when there is an explicit time stipulation for the relinquishing of ownership rights. So far, the Gemara has established that Ula's read of the Breitah as reflecting the opinion of the Rabbanan in both clauses is an acceptable interpretation. Now, it returns to the original question of split authorship to provide an alternative read by Reish Lakish, a second-generation Eretz Israeli Amora, who says that just as the Seifa is Rabbi Yossi, so too the Reisha must be Rabbi Yossi. Reish Lakish goes on to explain that the only reason the Reisha provides for a person to no longer be able to retract their statement of Hefker after three days, despite the established Rabbi Yossi opinion that it wouldn't be actual Hefker Midoraita until a Zocheh lays claim to it no matter how many days go by, is because Rabbi Yossi wants to ensure by rabbinic decree that the law of Hefker not be forgotten. This statement is somewhat cryptic without reading commentaries. The Ran, Rabbi Nisim ben Reuven Girondi, 14th century Spanish commentator, explains that what Reish Lakish means by the law of Hefker pertains to the relationship between Hefker and tithing obligations, trumot umaserot. If a person acquires a field that is Hefker, that field is exempt from trumot umaserot, midoraita. For Rabbi Yossi, if a full Hefker isn't enacted until the property enters the possession of a Zocheh, then the possibility will always remain for the mafkir to retract the statement, removing the field from the category of hefker and obligating the new owner, who is unaware of the retraction, to tithe the field's produce. By placing a derabanan cutoff period that makes the hefker permanent, Rabbi Yossi avoids the possibility that someone will neglect to tithe the field. But now the Gemara challenges Reish Lakish's read by saying, and I'm paraphrasing here, if it's the case that the Reisha is Rabbi Yossi, and that he gives a Rabbanan cutoff of three days for the Mafkir to recant his statement, then why wait three days at all? Don't even let the Mafkir retract on the first day, and let the field be Hefker from the outset. If your goal is to avoid people forgetting the, to tithe fields that require tithing, 
why not remove the possibility entirely instead of creating a period of any length where the confusion may be created? This question is sort of like how a lot of industrial kashrut policy came to be today. When we study the laws of kashrut, we actually find that there are lots of instances where the rabbis are very lenient or understand factors outside their control to warrant leniency. But in efforts to avoid confusion where these factors are not in play, many latter authorities choose to never allow for the use of these leniencies. For example, according to the Shulchan Aruch, a Jew who is traveling may eat parv food prepared by Gentiles as long as the food was not made specifically for the Jew in question. But because many authorities, mostly Orthodox, are unable to tolerate the possibility that in some instances the food may actually contain forbidden ingredients that the Jew is unaware of, or the Jew may become accustomed to eating in unsupervised establishments, they will forbid their congregants and students from using this permission and insist that they pack all their food with them or only eat raw vegetables on the way. Modern Judaism follows this kind of reasoning all the time. Getting back to our question, Rabbah, third generation Babylonian Amora, provides a solution to the challenge. He says that the reason Rabbi Yossi would not make his Hefker the Rabbanan effective on the first day is to prevent Rema'im, cheaters or swindlers, from easily avoiding their Trumoah and Maaser obligations. If they can have Hefker affected on the first day from their statement, without a transfer to another Zocheh, it is too easy for them to immediately claim the field back for themselves from Hefker and exempt it from tithing. Requiring them to wait three days for the Hefker to be complete greatly reduces this possibility. By forcing these individuals to wait three days, Rabbi Yossi disincentivizes people from declaring a field Hefker disingenuously because it increases the probability that a Zocheh will come along and take the property. But, challenges the Gemara, even though Rabbi Yossi would not let a person retract his hefker after three days, midioraita, he would have to concede that this is not a full hefker until someone claims the field as a zochet. Perhaps a person may come to tithe from what must be tithed, deoraita, because of a hefker de Rabbanan, as has been described, along with produce that is actually exempt from tithing as true hefker, or vice versa. That is to say, a person might tithe produce from a field that she acquired on the fifth day since Hefker was declared, but after the Mafkir retracted Hefker on the fourth day, rendering the field obligated in tithes midioraita, with produce from a field that was actually Hefker deoraita, upon which the obligation of tithes is merely derabanan. And to this the Gemara responds, We simply tell the Zocheh that she should tithe the produce of each field separately and may not combine them. Finally, the Gemara presents one last challenge to Reish Lakish's read, that both the Reisha and the Seifa of our Breita are in accordance with Rabbi Yossi's opinion, based upon another Breita. This source describes a person who makes his vineyard Hefker, and the next day proceeds to harvest the grapes. In such a case, says this Breita, the person is obligated in the mitzvot of Peret, leaving the fallen grapes for the poor, Olalot, leaving the incomplete grape clusters for the poor, Shichecha, leaving of forgotten bundles of grain for the poor, and Pea, leaving corners of the field unharvested so that the poor may take from them. But this person is exempt from Maaser, tithing. 
So the Gemara says, it is clear how this Baraita works if it is read in light of Ula's interpretation, that both clauses in the opening Baraita reflect the Rabbanan's opinion. Since they have this be a case of Midoraita Hefker, from the moment the Mafkir makes his declaration, and whatever Maaser obligation it may have would only be Midorabanan. But how does this case make sense in light of Reish Lakish's interpretation? Why would the Mafkir, who is harvesting these grapes in a field that is not yet Hefker Midoraita, according to Rabbi Yossi's opinion, be exempt from Maaser? It isn't Hefker yet. Ardaf then concludes with a simple response to this challenge. Reish Lakish only said the first Braitha reflected the opinion of Rebbe Yossi. That doesn't mean he has to believe every Braitha that talks about Hefker is in accordance with Rebbe Yossi. He is perfectly comfortable conceding that this second Braitha is only in accordance with the Rabbanan's opinion. Tune in tomorrow for the exciting conclusion of our sugya on Daf Memhei Amut Aleph. 45A. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.